Hello and welcome to the Gridiron Show and the first Gridiron Show for the 2020 season. Well, despite some protestations, it's all officially going to get underway this Wednesday afternoon. So loads for us to get into coronavirus and its impact on the NFL. A brand new CBA signed. What that means for games here in the UK. Some moves already happening and what we could see over the coming days. Yeah, still plenty to talk about. There is no off-season when it comes to the NFL. This is the Gridiron show. Oh, all that, and we've got the draft hopefully coming up as well. If it all uh, if it all kicks off, which means that for the off season, delighted to say, not only is Matthew Sherry with me, but we've got Simon Clancy with us as well. Simon, how are we doing, sir? Good, Will. How are you? Yeah, can't complain. Well, Good. I, I'm somebody who, uh, as much as we shouldn't make light or joke about a, a global pandemic, has adapted to life not leaving the house incredibly well. I feel like I'm I mean, adapted is definitely style. the wrong word. Continue <laughs> to live life not leaving the house. What I'd like to tell the listeners as well is that we are all on video Skype, and I've just seen the bottoms that you're wearing, and you are definitely very comfortably hanging out at home. Oh, yeah. <laughs> My Rick and Morty jammies on. What's wrong with that? Uh, good, good. Um, look, I, there's loads for us to, to get into, as, as I was saying, but I think we probably start off with the, the kind of the season deciding to start. Today, we're going to be getting the start of the tampering period, which essentially does feel like the start of free agency. And so I'm sure we'll have at least one more show coming out late this week to react to the moves that do happen. But the decisions to continue with the league season as normal, uh, considering what's going on around the world, are to go ahead and uh, there are talks about potentially rescheduling the draft, moving it away from Vegas seems likely at this point, but keeping the league season as it is. The the NFLPA, it sounds like, were part of the driving force behind this uh, statement put out uh, that they rejected the chance to push the season back. So were you surprised to see that, that they're going to just try and go ahead as normal? And, and how heavily do we think it will affect the teams that we can't have you know, visits going on around free agency in the draft? I mean, I'm not that surprised. Simply, be, I mean, NFLPA have actually denied that they were the driving force now. Um, so who knows what the reason is? But but ultimately, I'm not I'm not that surprised because the the reality with this situation with coronavirus is it's not getting any better anytime soon. So it's not like in a month's time it's problem solved and you can just it's just going to be business as usual. I think it's becoming increasingly clear in this country and in the US as well that this is going to be a a longer-term situation than people initially anticipated. So then it begs the question, at what point do you start it? And and to me, you know, as a a person who has spent, uh, I would say, the last five or six days consumed by coronavirus and the effects of it, and as somebody whose wife is 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 a nurse on the on the front line of this, I guess, uh, and with a young son to think about. I'm finding this a very happy distraction, um, and I would be whether I was whether I was doing the job that I do or whether I was just a fan. So f- for me, I, I think it was a no-brainer to go ahead with it. Um, obviously, the, the cynics out there will point to the fact that it's good, good for the NFL that essentially all eyes are going to be on this now, so it'll be great coverage. But I, But I think there's also an element of you know, I think even a week in, I'm realising just how much of an impact sports plays in my day-to-day life and how much I'm missing that. And that's set against the fact that ultimately I realise there's far bigger issues at play. But but I think it, it's a good distraction. 
it feels like outside of players doing physicals, which is something that they need to come up with a solution for, there's no real reason why it shouldn't go ahead. And, and I personally think that the right decision's been made. Yeah, I mean, I think ultimately... Uh, I, I generally agree. I mean, I, I've certainly read Peter King, Albert Breer, Jenny Ventas this morning, all have spoken to general managers who, who say things like the optics are bad and we shouldn't be doing this. But I also get the sense that they're saying that in part because these are extraordinary times and teams are being put very much out of their comfort zones. They are expecting certain things to happen, players to be able to take physicals. You know, they're committing a, a large amount of money potentially to, to players who, you know, they're not 100% certain how, you know, what sort of physical shape they're in uh, and I think there's two caveats to that one is that obviously each team does an exit physical and I think it, you know given the extraordinary times I do believe that teams should be sharing those exit physicals at least so that teams have a you know a semi-decent idea of what's going on and the flip side to that then is that there are lots and lots of private hospitals that that players can go and get you know, x-rays and things done nearby to where they live. It's not very difficult for this to to be coordinated in a pretty decent way. I think that the lateness of the decision-making didn't help the NFL, but then, you know, the world looks very different Monday than it did last Thursday. So, you know, the, the weekend was extraordinary in terms of, you know, what was going on. And Matt's right. I think that we use sport as a, as a way to get away from some of the terrible stuff that's happening in the world. And for none of that to be there was all of a sudden left people feeling, you know, there is no distraction. And, and I was completely consumed by what was happening at the weekend. Not necessarily that I wanted to, but you literally couldn't go anywhere. WhatsApp groups yeah. with friends, you know, social media, the television, everything that you, everywhere you turned, you, you only had to walk out of your front door. The streets were empty. You couldn't hear any cars. You couldn't see any people to know that there was something incredible happening and i just think the distraction of that and i get look i get there is there is far more important things in life than sport people are dying and you know there's a lot we've talked about this before we came on air there are all three of us are worried about family friends older relatives those sorts of things but i don't think it's i don't think it's unfair to have free agency in the start of the league season as a as a distraction i suppose the one thing that would concern you is, you know, let's say Joe Thune is the first player off the board in terms of a contract and he gets a five-year, $75 million deal when businesses are going, you know, freelance people are, are worried about where their next money is going to come from. You've got Virgin Airlines staff being laid off for two months with no pay. That's not a great look. But I, I just don't know how you avoid it because how, we don't know how long this is going to go on for. Yeah. I also think most people accept the money that's involved in sport at this point. You always get the odd person who says that, you know, it's obscene when they see wages and transfer fees and whatever it might be. But honestly, I think most people understand that sport is its own little economy, its own world that, well, not little by any stretch of the imagination. But I don't think you'll get a huge number of reasonable people uh, who will be shouting out about the money that, are, you know, are top-end guard is going to be getting in the NFL at a, a difficult time. And particularly when you consider there are a lot of feel-good stories out there about, you know, people like Yanis and, and Zion Williamson paying out to make sure that all the casual staff that that work at their home arenas while the NBA is down are still going to get paid out of their pockets. You consider with the Pelicans, they've got an owner who's worth $4 billion, and yet it's a rookie who's paying those wages. It's absolutely ridiculous. But it's the kind of story that is showing that sports people have got at least a little bit of awareness about those things. I am intrigued as to what it means for the draft because... 
Uh, we're hearing increasingly it's going to be moved away from Vegas. There has been speculation that it'll be moved a month back till the end of May, and, and obviously that could have huge effects on, on the season as a whole. But what about this next stage of the draft process, Simon, where there are meant to be pro days going on and team visits? And how much are teams going to miss out on by not getting that stage if they have to go straight into the last weekend of April, picking based on the information they have now and nothing more? Yeah, just two bits of breaking news actually while we're here. AJ Green has been tagged by the Bengals and Derek Henry has been franchise tagged by the Titans. Um, I think it's really interesting. Um, and again, I think it goes back to historical stuff. It's stuff that teams have always done and therefore it's taking them out of their comfort zone. I think where the biggest effect in terms of certainly not having pro days is, is for guys like, take Ashton Davis, the, the safety at Cal. He was injured at his pro day. Uh, sorry, he was injured at the combine, wasn't able to work out, and but but now will not be able to work out for teams. He's going to run very fast. He was a he was a state 110 meter high hurdle champion, you know, and his film plus a good workout, which he almost certainly would have done, would have probably solidified him as a second round pick, maybe a guy that even sneaks into the back end of the first round. But I mean, couldn't couldn't someone like that? You can't do the medicals with the doctors, but couldn't someone like that set up? You know, it's 2020 do the workout have some yeah. officials there and, and do it on a stream and send uh, it to the teams I think I think that's what's going to happen I mean in terms of it, but but again it goes back to you know you look at a lot of the scouts in the NFL these are long time NFL scouts across these who have done things a certain way and I totally get that it's 2020 but you know there are guys that are still using their own stopwatches because that's what they've always done there, there are no you know there's no electronic uh, uh, timing facilities at Pro Day bizarrely so that's why they use stopwatches at the combine that's why they use stopwatches on the road so I, I think part of it is, is historical I think the guys that I'm most concerned for are the guys that are certainly the small school guys uh, and those sort of seventh round street free agent guys who you know this is where you're really relying on your area scouts who've got to know these guys but but general managers and uh, and directors of player personnel haven't quite got around to it because they've been getting their heads around the sort of the day one day two early day three guys it's those street free agent guys the guys that fill out the bottoms of the roster you know and you look at most teams two three four five of these guys make an impact on these teams every single season um and it's going to be those guys that it's going to be the real struggle for because you know you're expecting now teams to really just have to go back and burn through the tape of you know Mount Union or whoever it is whichever team Stony Brook or these kind of small schools in terms of moving the draft away from Vegas I think the CDC's announcement last night that you know gatherings of 50 or more people were going to be banned essentially was the kibosh to to, to Vegas, although we knew it was coming anyway, with Vegas shutting down most of their hotels, including the Bellagio, which was where they were going to have, obviously, the, the water ride and all that sort of stuff. Whether it gets pushed back remains to be seen, or whether it's just done. I, I saw somebody saying that the, the smart play they thought would be in a, a small theatre in New York, the NFL wouldn't have to go anywhere, uh, and it could be set up as a made-for-TV event. None of the players there, but getting players up on FaceTime and, and those sorts of things. So there would be no introductions to Roger Goodell, but, you know, it has to go because we just don't know you look at the front of the guardian yesterday this morning it says that you know it might be april 2021 by the time that this is you know we're on top of this thing you can't continue to put off you know that's another nfl season that at some point the draft will have to happen so i i think it's difficult but i just think teams are going to have to accept that these are extraordinary times yeah i mean and and the thing is as well you know nfl's 100th season and stuff that the reality is that the history of the league is littered with occasions where extraordinary events outside of the realm of just sport have, have hit. And, 
and they've adapted. You know, I mean, the, we saw the Philadelphia Eagles and Pittsburgh Steelers famously merge in the 1940s during the war and become the the Steagles for a season, and that was one of three examples of of two teams doing that. You know, and, and I think one of the points you made, Sai, about players taking physicals and and sharing that information with each other. I mean, these are the kind of things that would usually be 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 crazy, but now just simply have to happen. I mean, just just look around. I mean, we talk about extraordinary times. That the level to which it's changed worldwide in the last seven days has stunned me. And 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 you know, could you imagine three weeks ago if I'd have told you guys that we would be sat here now and and all sports that were were being played at that time were now shut down. I mean, at the end of the day, they they do need to just find ways to to kind of muddle through this a little bit, and and I'm sure that they will. Well, on the point of those guys at the low end of the roster that Simon brought up, they're one people who, one set of people who are going to benefit from the new collective bargaining agreement uh, that has been signed off in the last few days. Uh, a tight vote in the end, only a couple of percent in it. I think it was what sixty votes with five hundred not voting. Um, in in the end, it was. Closer than I think I expected it to be, considering the help that the New Deal did do for both uh, former players and for players on the lower end of the roster. Maybe those you know, big names who are coming out against it have as much sway as we thought they did. I found the, the fact that they were also voting for who was the new head of the NFLPA at the same time as conducting a vote into the new CBA. Absolutely bizarre and surely against some kind of union law. But we now know that JC Tretter is in place in that position as well, that we've got a Labour deal in place for the next 10 years and yeah we had to, there was a podcast done last week which is now just the lost podcast but uh, me and you Matthew discussed this in some in some quite some depth and I think overall it's a it's a good deal it's you know there are things that they're unhappy that they didn't get but that's the way negotiation works and I think that overall the players have, have got what they needed from this yeah I mean like like I said in that now lost forever podcast <laughs> I, I mean, I've still got the audio. If people want to hear it, if people want to hear us speculate about where Tom Brady's going to end up and talk about why why he works at the Titans for a solid 15 minutes, I can still put it out. I've got the funniest piece of news related to the NFL that you're ever going to hear. So the, the, the financial deals, details on the Kirk Cousins deal have just come through. What are they? Don't look. Uh, so it's a two-year extension. Yes, for how much money? Uh, what if if it's silly money... Seventy million. Two years, sixty-six million dollars. Oh my god! Sixty-one of which is How guaranteed. How much money has he now made in his career? Like, I mean, that's astonishing. Mike McCarthy, his agent. I mean, talk about doing an incredible job. We'll get on to that. We will. We will anyway. get on to that. Let's let's uh, talk about the CBA, though. I think you and I, Matthew, as I was saying, both agree that, that there are enough facets of this deal to have made it play a positive. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, and the the key thing that does make a player positive in terms of the, the the longer term is the seventeenth game. I mean, whichever way you spin your thoughts on that, ultimately the players want more money at the end of the day, and that is the best way to do it because it essentially gives them a, a whole new TV contract, and that'll be worth billions of dollars every season. Um, the important part for me is that I've thought for a while looking at CBAs that the um, there's never been enough done to honour the, the kind of history of the game and the players who created this fertile ground for, for the modern-day athlete. And, and it feels like this one starts to redress that balance a little bit with the, you know, there's, there's 50% rises in some case in, in pensions and things like that. 
Uh, and that's really important. And, and I think something that modern players should always be cognizant of when they're negotiating, because you know they they, they do stand in a, in a very fortunate position, admittedly, in a in a very dangerous sport. And you you should always try and pay homage to the people who who created that. So I think that element of it's really good as well. Um, you know, obviously, yeah, there is an argument that they want fifty fifty. They want to play sixteen games, but. That that just is never going to be going to be how this works. I mean, it, it is it is a negotiation up against largely outside of a couple of examples like Mark Davis in particular and and um, and the Green Bay situation where you are essentially negotiating against some of the toughest business people in the world and billionaires who do this for a living day in day out and and do it at a more successful level than anyone else. So. So yeah, I thought that they, they got a lot from this, and yes, there are certain concessions that that didn't cost the owners much, but they're still concessions, and that's how it works. You know, the the, the much more lenient marijuana policy was important to a lot of players. So so yeah, I ultimately think that they um, that they got a good deal here. One thing that was interesting from the deal and something that hadn't been kind of highlighted heavily but is relevant to fans probably likely to listen to a show like this in the UK is that uh, there is a limitation the first five years of the deal from 2020 to 2025 that the maximum number of games that can be played internationally is 10. Now, that kind of puts... Well, it doesn't necessarily put to bed the idea of that 17th game being a neutral site game because there are places like Alabama, Hawaii that have been discussed as... as neutral site games to be played within the US but I think there was a kind of maybe an assumption from NFL UK fans that that 17th game would lead to us definitely getting eight games a season and um, not being a team here instead and I, I think it just kind of showed that whilst they are very positive on the international growth clearly there was something coming from one end to say that they don't want it to be too much too fast and and don't assume that we're suddenly from next season going to be doubling the number of games we're getting here in london yeah i think too much too fast is exactly the right thing i just think there were so many movable parts and and you look at two, two of the things that stood out for me with the cba is that the number of players that didn't vote you know i've seen a lot of players odell beckham people like that you know, castigating fellow pros for 500 or so that just didn't bother to vote. And the fact that 900 and whatever it was, 56 voted no, that's a huge amount. You're never going to be able to satisfy everybody all of the time, especially with something like this. And I just think to throw in, you know, the extra game going abroad, I just think might have been a bridge too far. I've also heard that that there's a possibility with a new TV deal that, that extra game will be taken by Facebook or an Amazon Prime or Apple or something like that. Uh, and again, I'm not necessarily sure that they would have wanted the Euro, the, you know, the international uh, scene to have been part of that that thing. I think they would want full US stadiums just because the optics for them, rightly or wrongly, look better. And I, and I do also believe, you know, having you know Matt and I having been to Tuscaloosa to, to, to that incredible stadium at Bryant-Denny, you know, that's wasted in terms of, you know, there's 105,000 people in there. It's absolutely beautiful. And you think that's a play. I mean, you look at Super Bowl venues in the, you know, the, you wonder why places like that aren't being used as Super Bowl, Bowl venues. But I can certainly understand why the NFL would want to potentially test out other uh, venues in the US rather than extend to go internationally to, to other countries quite at the moment. Yeah, I just thought it was an extra facet that had been kind of missed and ignored. What <laughs> It does lead us into something we did talk about on the Lost Podcast, which is 
the, uh, the Jaguars coming out. I love this out. idea of the last podcast. We're going to release it in 10 years. <laughs> it's going to be such a letdown by the time people hear it as well. Because the, the team who are going to be coming out here for two home games this coming season, and uh, you know there is possibility for that to happen for the next five years as well, is the uh, Jacksonville Jaguars. And uh, I know the quarterbacks are the, are the big moves that have happened so far. But just to mention for... The uh, the dismantling of a team that have had so many high picks and have picked some quality players in those positions have been to an AFC Championship game and were probably, nah, let's not say probably, let's say almost definitely a bad refereeing call away from making it to a Super Bowl, have just mishandled everything so spectacularly that they've now lost their big previous free agents, uh, free agent acquisition in AJ Bouye, who's moved to Denver to work under that Vic Fangio system. And now we find out this weekend that Calais Campbell is getting traded for a fifth round pick to the Baltimore Ravens. By the way, that is the same fifth round pick that the Ravens got from the Vikings for their backup kicker. That's the, uh, that's <laughs> so what it was we're then released about. not long after. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, look at the players that have gone from there. Jalen Ramsey, Boye, Calais Campbell, Dante Fowler, Marcel Darius, Malik Jackson, Aaron Colvin, Sean Gibson, Barry Church, and then Yannick Ngakwe, who obviously wants out, and Telvin Smith, who's away from the team currently. And, you know, no no, no plan as to when he's going to come back. And, and Gakwe could well be tagged and traded. So... I mean, it's a sto- I mean, there is a there is an early clubhouse leader um, for Trevor Lawrence, uh, and that is the team from from Eastern Florida, and um, I think that's the only way that you can look at it. And you know, if there was a if there was a, you look up the term "dead man walking" in the dictionary, and you will see a photograph of Doug Marone because uh, <laughs> you know that is uh, that is a guy who's definitely on the way out, and I, I, I mean, can't it's think. Is Dave Caldwell on the way out as well? I mean, well, it's, it's a- got to be, isn't he? He should have been gone already. It's Long interesting. Gone. I, I just, I find the whole situation in Jacksonville absolutely fascinating. Like it's just, it, it's going to be a thirty for thirty, isn't it? The 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 great team that never was, or certainly the great defense that never was. Um, it's just mind blowing. I mean, and 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 I guess the other element with with Campbell in particular to me is that that tells me that that surely this is now a full-scale rebuild is, you know, that was a team where you looked at Campbell as essentially the only adult in the room and and mm. and they've, they've let him out now. Um, I mean, Josh Allen, who we met at the Pro Bowl and chatted to for, for ages, is a really nice kid and a really talented young player. So I still see some talent around the building, but it just feels like a rudderless ship and... and yeah, I mean, I'm not, I'm not hugely looking forward to seeing I mean, them in London twice this Cordell, year. That's for certain. Cordell was 15 and 49 before Tom Coughlin took over. I mean, which part of him being in charge of the rebuild does anybody think is a good idea? I mean, to me, that's astonishing. But you, you say, you know, if they can manage to persuade in Gakway, you have Gakway, and you have um, you have Josh Allen. You obviously have Miles Jack on offense. You have DJ Chark. You have Juwan Taylor at uh, right tackle. But to me, that. You know that that team was set and in place, and they just bungled the window so badly. It was obvious what they needed, and it was that Blake Bortles wasn't yeah. going to be the guy that was going to take them across the line. And somehow they managed to screw that up because everything else was pretty much there. And yeah. I just, to me, that I, I, that's just an abdication of duty from all involved. I think it's also a huge warning sign to teams right now who are kind of pretending that they can get through with a with a quarterback and and a. When general managers have made a decision to pick a quarterback high in the draft, basically, I'm thinking about you, Chicago, with Mitchell Trubisky. This is the same situation <laughs> playing out two years later in Chicago right now, which is you've made that decision in the draft, you stick with it way too long, 
You've got incredible talent in other areas of the of the roster. You can't let that window close, and that's exactly what Jacksonville have done. And and I think the parallels between the two are, are striking. You know, just in terms of the them both having the most talented defenses in football at the at the time, and 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 you just can't afford to get into that kind of purgatory with with a quarterback who you who you're essentially keeping against what what I assume is your, your better judgment, because surely you can see the issues. Well, we, I mean, we have a tendency as well to look at something like the Mitchell Trubisky situation and go, oh, isn't it ridiculous? They could have picked Pat Mahomes or Deshaun Watson. And there's always a tendency to look at just the team that took a quarterback and that they didn't take the guy that was more successful later on. But you've got to remember that in that draft, the 49ers took Solomon Thomas, which hasn't particularly worked out. And they could have really done with one of those two. And the Jags took Leonard Fournette in that in that draft and as much as he was brilliant in his first year he was always a bit one-dimensional and that's kind of played out in the NFL and I mean if they'd gone and picked Pat Mahomes or Deshaun Watson with the defense that they had at that point I mean they could have been an absolute powerhouse in the AFC they might have got the level of coaching that they would have got where they've ended up and had the same career but what I would have had much more of a chance of it wouldn't they we're always hostage to fortune in terms of, you know, saying that, that we all knew that this was going to happen and we all knew that Mahomes was going to be... The, 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 look, you can punish the Bears as much as possible. There were 10 other teams that passed on um, on Patrick Mahomes. Uh, and as you made the point, there were teams there that needed quarterbacks and didn't take him. So I, I, I just think, you know, that whole prisoner of the moment stuff, you know, Mahomes... There were, you know, let's not pretend there weren't issues with Patrick Mahomes coming out of college. Otherwise, he'd have been the first overall pick and the absolute slam dunk. And he wasn't. You know, the part of that was obviously teams' inability to deal with the air raid offense and to 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 instigate or instill that into their uh, systems. But nevertheless, I, I do think that revisionist history d- d- does make me feel slightly uncomfortable, as bad as Trubisky has been. Not to throw anyone under the bus as well, but um, there was a, for reasons recently work related. I needed to get. Um, uh, Sam Quake's number and thought I had it on a DM conversation that we'd had on Twitter. Went back and scrolled through our DM conversation and found the DMs that we exchanged between each other on the night that Patrick Mahomes was picked at 10 overall ahead of Deshaun Watson. And uh, neither of us will come out of that. If those messages ever come to light and are seen by the outside world, neither of us are going to come out shining with glory because we both said we thought it was the wrong pick. So uh, <laughs> you're absolutely right. Revisionist history is something that we are all pretty guilty of um but it, it's just i i think that it's unfair that it's always the quarterback teams that are targeted by it and the jags i went into that draft with us all going you're picking it for there's some good quarterbacks there pick one and they didn't uh, let's talk about the initial moves that have happened so far the ones that we know about at least uh you mentioned kirk cousins and the vikings a two-year extension agreed to for absolutely huge money he's still got a year left on that three as yeah, well did, right yeah. Yeah. So that's three more years of Kirk Cousins in yeah. Minnesota. Prescott's um, just been tagged. I mean, that's kind of unsurprising. When you mentioned with the tags, actually, Dak Prescott getting tagged, I thought there was still a debate with Tennessee about whether or not they would go with, with Jack Conklin rather than Derrick Henry. Because whilst Derrick Henry obviously had a ridiculous second half of last season and really last 18 months or so, he's still a running back versus a right tackle who had probably his best season since his rookie season last year. And I thought there was still some possibility they might make that decision. But they end up going with Henry and there's going to be a a pretty high-end run-based right tackle available on the market. I think think that the the offense is so predicated on on Derek Henry, though. 
know, that, uh, you know, as good as Conklin was, and he was, I think it's significantly easier to replace a right tackle than it is to replace a guy who was the absolute focal point of your offense, especially in that eight-week stretch, the last, what, five weeks of the season and then three playoff games where he was absolutely as good as anybody has been in modern history, I think. Yeah, and, and also, I mean, I think for me that, the decision came down to, like, just say the Titans had made a run of Brady and, and brought him in. Then in that instance, I would have re-signed Conklin over Henry. But, you know, everything that Ryan Tannehill did well last year was within the, the that kind of zone play-action system. So you you want to keep that going and keep the centrepiece of that. So I think that makes a lot of sense. I mean, I'll just... For, for listeners, we, to, to be clear, by the way, we are talking about a situation where you said earlier in 2020, I, like who would have thought we'd be sat, sitting here having a conversation about no sport being on? Who would have thought we'd have been sat here having a conversation about a team using Tom Brady as uh, a make weight in their negotiations with signing Ryan Tannehill to a long term deal? Because that's what it appears the Titans have done. And it, honestly, that's pretty astonishing to me uh, where we are at this point. Absolutely insane, and and I mean everybody will see the, the the tag, so I don't want to read them all out individually. But to me, just a couple that stand out. Um, there's some obvious ones that stand out in terms of, you know, good decisions and players you wouldn't want to let out of the building. But the Steelers tagging Bud Dupree and and seemingly having to manoeuvre their cap to do it is frankly one of the most insane decisions I've ever seen at this time of year. I mean, it's just. <laughs> A guy who has played average in one season over over five in his career so far. And and, and as Sai alluded to in our WhatsApp earlier, that they're going to let Javon Hargrave out of the building who's a much better player. I mean, it, I would love to know the, the kind of thinking behind that decision. And, and, and I think, uh, reticent as I am to always bring things back to New England, we see the Patriots every year. and they you, mean, the t- you mean not reticent at all at any point? <laughs> no, but... Every single year, they let they let a player that other teams would tag hit free agency. They're doing it again this year with Joe Tooney. And I think that these teams need to, at some point, look and ask themselves, why does the Patriots are so good and why they're consistently bad? And, it's, and the Steelers, to be fair, haven't been consistently bad, but some of these decisions are just insane. You're tagging players who are just not worthy of of contracts in the in the top five at, at their position, even on one-year deals. And, and yeah, I mean, the Bud Dupree one, I just find utterly insane. I can't, I can't even believe it, to be honest. And, and and there's a few others as well that I would I would question at a, at a high level as well. I, I have heard a suggestion with Javon Hargrave, they're essentially trying to pull a Patriots with that because there's some conversation that even though I think people who follow the NFL will know what a high-level player he is. There is a question over versatility and whether he'll fit into other schemes um, and whether that means he won't necessarily get the money that he thinks he's going to get in free agency. I, I think somebody's going to absolutely throw money at Javon Hargrave. I think he's outside of you know Aaron Donald. We're talking about one of the most disruptive guys on, on the front that there is in the NFL right now, and he's hitting free agency. I just I think they're mad to let him out the door. Yeah, I'm here. You pair him with, so you look at somebody like Kenny Clark, he's kind of not quite in that bracket, but he's pretty close to that bracket. And you think that, that to me is a, is a very interesting, you know, there are a few interesting, Graham Glasgow, the, the Detroit with a bad offensive line, letting a, a player as underrated as that hit the market, I, I find really bizarre. But um, yeah, it's just one of those things. I think, like you say, Hargrove is going to make a lot of money. He's going to make a team very happy. 
Um, we do, we kind of skirted around it, but Ryan Tannehill getting himself a nice big contract in Nashville, a 62 million fully guaranteed, 91 million total guarantees. Uh, I mean, essentially, it's 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 a it, once they released the breakdown, people saw the money and went, "Whoo, that's big." But I think once you saw the breakdown and realised where the get-outs were in the contract and what the cap hits would be over the first couple of years, especially with the cap going up on average nearly $11 million every year for the last seven years. It's quite a team-friendly deal if they believe that he is their guy and the franchise quarterback going forward. I guess it's just whether or not you believe 10 excellent games at the end of last season is enough to, to justify the decision to sign somebody to a, to a long-term deal or not. Yeah, I think it's ultimately a, it's a two-year deal at a very, very friendly cap uh, number, although you know the cap is such a grey area in terms of what it it really means. I think you know if it's a two year deal, it makes him something like the thirteenth highest paid quarterback in the league, and if it's the full deal, it makes him something like the eighth highest paid. He's not the eighth best quarterback in the league. He might be around the thirteenth best, thirteenth, fourteenth best quarterback in the league. And like you say, it, 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 what he did last year it, it is not dissimilar to stretches that he put together before he got injured in Miami. Uh, um, certainly that, that that season where the Dolphins made the playoffs and he got the first injury, that that to me was the where he was at his best before last season. And I, I think the Titans have kind of done the right thing. The, the system seems to work with him very well. They kept Arthur Smith, the offensive coordinator. They've obviously kept Derek Henry. So I think it will be more of the same. You know, he is a decent enough quarterback to win you can those sorts of games that he won last season he's athletic the question is can he get them over the hump and that's a fairly big question and you kind of have to look at in the playoffs last year did they restrict him because they didn't want him to make mistakes um and he was efficient when he needed to be or was that the maximum of his ability and i i, I tend to think they tried to keep the leash on him a little bit um but it, you know, at some point, if they want to win a Super Bowl, they are going to let, have to let him throw the ball down the field because that's ultimately what got them into the playoffs in the first place. And they sort of slightly dialed that back in the playoffs and relied a bit more on Henry. Who knows? We shall see. Uh, I, know, I, know, I know Matthew has strong opinions on this, but with the playoffs, uh, you have to think, I think it's not dissimilar to the 49ers pre-Super Bowl. There was a lot of conversation on how much of a role the quarterback was playing, but game flow and what was working up until that point dictated I don't think the coaches made the wrong decision certainly in the two games they won at any point with the way that they called those plays you could potentially look at that that loss and say could he have done more there but yeah go on Matthew I know you want to uh, I know this is uh, your time to shine no, I mean, I'm, I'm not. I, the, the reality is I can understand the, the reasons for it. You know, he's, he does fit the scheme very well. He's got the athleticism. I, I just find any team who are in that position that the Titans are in where it's not an absolute nailed on, you know, you haven't got a Mahomes or to an even lesser degree. You know, I'm trying to think of somebody who, even even Matt Stafford, who I still think is is criminally underrated in the NFL and is clearly a much better quarterback than someone like Ryan Tannehill. I just find the idea of not trying to sign Tom Brady to be ludicrous because it's really a no-lose prospect. You know, it's a one- or two-year deal. Is he finished? Maybe he is. And if, you, and if you've made that analysis, then, then fair enough. But for me, with, with the way the Patriots receiver situation was for a lot of last year, not just in terms of purely in talent, just in terms of, you know, Mohamed Sanu signs, gets injured after a week and basically can run routes for the rest of the year. You know, there were lots of factors that went into him playing badly. Uh, and, you know, you sign the, the most 
legendary player in the history of the NFL. It's great off the field. It's great commercially. You also sign a guy who, right now, I mean, it's so appealing right now because it's clear, I think, that he would like the 49ers to be interested. He may have liked Tennessee to be interested. One thing we know about Tom Brady is you write him off like that and give him more fuel in his own mind and he, he probably comes back with even more of an edge than he already has. And and it just to be as a free hit, because if you can get him to be anything like he was 18 months ago, maybe two years ago, even for one season, and you have a roster like the Titans where you look at it and think, actually, that they're not far away at all. Maybe it is just the difference in that one AFC title game of needing a guy to make the play at the time. Then for me, you have to just take the chance and do it. And I, I, and I find the idea that any team... To wouldn't do it to be insane. I mean, I can understand it to a degree, Will, with the 49ers, because, you know, there is an argument that Jimmy Garoppolo coming off a torn ACL last year and, and showing what he's shown in terms of his ability to be the quarterback of a winning team, that that he could eventually become maybe a top five, top ten quarterback. But, you know, I don't, don't think there's any argument that, that Ryan Tannehill's going to do that. And I would say the same about some of these other teams who who have the decision to make, whether that's the Raiders or whoever else as well. So it's going to be interesting. I've just seen that Brady is just... The the, the betting favourite now is for Brady to go to the Buccaneers, which, while not one of the places that I would view as a fit in terms of the location, I mean, in terms of roster talent and also yeah. head coach, I think Bruce Arians is on I mean, the verge now of being the most underrated head coach in the league. I think that would be a really interesting match. I mean, if, to... if, uh, I was just going to say, if Tannehill hadn't ended up staying and Brady had gone to Tennessee, I would have thought that actually Tampa Bay was a pretty good landing spot for Tannehill with his arm talent. So, yeah. sorry, Simon, go ahead. I was just going to say, good offensive line in Tampa. You, you know, you've got OJ Howard, you've got uh, Mike Evans, Chris Goldwyn. You know, I think there's... Um, you know that would be a, you got sunshine. I mean, to me, that would be a very decent landing spot for for Brady. I, mean, I still think he's going back to New England, um, but I, you know, I do think you know I, I did find slightly ludicrous the talk of the 49ers taking him on, and you know, this is a 43 year old guy, and uh, as great as he's been and he has been, he is a descending player at this point, and it just feels like you know, Will, you and I had this conversation last night about Jimmy Garoppolo, and he was a series of bad play calls generally from Kyle Shanahan away from being a Super Bowl champion at which point any of this talk becomes utterly null and void so and possibly Super Bowl also... MVP yeah exactly he's probably the favourite going into the like the, the last 10 minutes of that game I would guess exactly but but I, I think I think that the reality with Brady is though it's it's the teams where you would look at them and say well are they just incredibly talented and one piece away I mean the obvious ones to me are the Vikings who now are off the table because of Kirk Cousins if they could have got away from that um, the, the Bears make a huge amount of sense for Brady for the reasons we've discussed earlier on I think I think the Buccaneers make, make a decent amount of sense um, so yeah I think it's teams like that where you would look at them and say look everything's here do we just take a chance on this guy being able to deliver, even if it's just one more season? That's all you want, one more season. And you mentioned the Buccaneers. That is easily going to be the most talented support and cast Tom Brady has had probably since 2007 and maybe ever in his career that there is in Tampa Bay right now. 
So uh, that's the hot Brady chat. Uh, let's uh, let's just focus on a few of the other moves that are out there and maybe a few coming forward. Uh, the Packers signed Christian Kirksey, a $16 million two-year deal. I mean, uh, them finding a middle linebacker who can work in their system based on what we saw from them last year was a, as no-brainer as a free agency move as you could find. And health might be an issue, but seems like a good move. Yeah, and, and I actually think as much as they need to get Rodgers a little bit more help, I think the key for the Packers is to is to now build an elite defence. And Because they're not far away from that. But the problem is that the scheme they run, if they've not got the exact right pieces in the key positions, it, it can fall apart drastically, as we saw at the end of last season uh, and in the playoffs. So, so I think the, the absolute key to that is the, the guy who sets the communication and is in the middle of that defence. And if there's one thing that you would say was a hole in that defence last year, you would say it was that middle linebacker spot. So provided health is good, I think that makes a, a huge amount of sense. I think he's only played nine games over the past two seasons, but his read and reaction is, is, is sensational. You go back and look at his Iowa tape, and he's a really, really good player. He's a team captain, a team leader. He, he knows where to be every single on every single snap. He's very rarely out of position. The Packers, obviously, Blake Martinez wasn't that guy. There was talk about Corey Littleton. Um, but I think, you know, if Kirksey is healthy, and it's a big if, but if he is, I think that's a tremendous pickup. Uh, looking at the the Atlanta Falcons have released Avonta Freeman and Desmond Trufant uh, move trying to save some money against the the cap and, and you know arguments doesn't that... save much though it only saves about nine million in total. There's no way out of release. I mean, I don't think Trufant has been as good as he was a couple of years ago, but there is no way I would have released him just because of how important. If they're going to keep playing that same scheme as well, I mean, cornerback is the most important position in it. So uh, the the. The Falcons are close to being another team now where I just struggle to see where they're going. You know, there's a lot of talent on there, but it's kind of the same system in place. And and yeah, just the true form one, I don't understand at all. Freeman, definitely. I mean, he's he's kind of, he's had issues with injuries himself the last couple of years. But but true form to me, it it doesn't make a huge amount of sense. And I wouldn't be surprised to see him land in, in Seattle, you know, another running the same scheme. They they kind of always lick their lips when a, a cornerback like him becomes available. So so yeah, that one that one caught me by surprise. I must admit. Uh, the Patriots re-signed Devin McCourty, uh, two years, twenty three million dollars. I wonder who's going to have a view on this. I mean, he should have been an All Pro last year. It's, he was brilliant last season. Um, I, I can't really judge any Patriots moves till we see what happens at quarterback because it, it's just for me that the whole attitude of me as a fan changes if Brady goes because if they don't get somebody and I think they could win a Super Bowl with then I almost think it's time to start again and and but I think that clearly and this is what that sign and more than any makes me think Brady will be back I'll be honest all right when we were talking about restarting or or having to do a bit of a, a a a semi-restart, I guess, as it is. Um, Houston's a really interesting case. Uh, they've re-signed Bradley Roby, $36 million deal. But uh, for a team that were as in win-now mode as possible with the deals they've made over the last few years, we're now in, they're now in a position where they've got no first-round pick over the next couple of seasons. And uh, conversation stands flare up. I've seen it in Football Morning in America, Peter King's com- uh, column this morning. But it's not the first time I've seen it mentioned that they might be open to trading DeAndre Hopkins. In th- I mean, that's one of those headlines that immediately sounds like it would take your breath away and be stunning. But when you really kind of nail down into it and look at how desperate they are for 
line help, how desperate they are for help at other levels of the defence. Actually, it's potentially an asset at his age that someone will pay big for and, and might help them in the long term be a better all-round team. Yeah, he's still coming off an all-time year, though, last year. And is still a, a, as good a receiver as there is in football, really. You know, you look at, you know, Michael Thomas has probably just moved ahead of everybody else. But, you know, you look at Julio Jones and he's in that certainly in that second category. He's got incredible hands. I, I mean, the season before last, he didn't drop a single pass um, on something like 119 catches. It's... I, I, I do have to wonder what on earth Bill O'Brien is actually doing there. I, you know, I'm not a massive Bill O'Brien fan anyway, and I, you know, I do have to question what he's doing. You, I know they've got two big deals coming up with Laramie Tunsil, uh, who they've given up so much for in terms of in terms of draft picks, and obviously for Deshaun Watson, that contract negotiation is coming up as well. Um, both are going to get paid. You know, Tunsil, they're, they're talking about you know, north of twenty million dollars per season. Um, so. I, I get financially that that's the situation, but man, that's a hard, you know, that's a hard one to sell to your, to your, it feels like addition by subtraction because you're getting rid of really the only big time weapon, you know, you know, Will Fuller can't stay on the field. Kenny Stills is a good kind of number three guy, but beyond that, you're going to be signing to Sean Watson and, and who's he going to be throwing to, you know, uh, that would be a concern. I think if I was a Texans fan, it's just, you know, it, it always feels like one bad move one good move two bad moves one good uh, and it doesn't really seem like they're, they're not really progressing I don't think over the past three or four years they've just not taken that real big jump that you're expecting them to take they get into the playoffs and they just hit the wall flat to deceive so uh, I'd question that one the new Bengals the, the thing I don't understand with the most is Hopkins to me is is, is future proof as a wide receiver like he's mm. just it's not like he relies on any real speed. I think technically his ability to set up defensive backs is completely unmatched to me in the game. And he does that through a combination of clever in his route running, but also just incredible catch radius, ability to box guys that, out. Larry Fitzgerald, doesn't he? When he when he's, yeah, or, or Anquan yeah. Bolden when he gets yeah. even older. I mean, I, 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 I think... Like even at this stage of his career, I would look at him and think, well, you might still get up to five to ten years out of him. So it just... Yeah. Uh, yeah, I don't understand it. I mean, I wouldn't be surprised. If the Patriots re-sign Brady, I wouldn't be surprised if Hopkins is the way they do it. Like, a trade for him, that kind of says, look, you've got what you needed now in terms of weapons. Get get him back on a, a cheaper contract because of that. And, and those that two things wouldn't surprise pick? me. Sorry? Would you give out that first round pick? Oh, with, without question. Yeah. I mean, again, because I think there's longevity in the signing as well. I, I don't think that... It's not to me like he's a completely... A player that I think will be over the hill in two years. I think you'll get good production out of him for a long period of time. This uh, this podcast, we were mentioning about the Lost podcast, this show uh, was delayed somewhat uh, for various uh, woodworking-related issues. So uh, you guys had an extensive conversation in our WhatsApp that I mostly napped during. But uh, were there any other points that you guys wanted to touch on, any other deals that you wanted to highlight before actually it all opens up and over the next few days there'll be plenty of reaction at Gridiron on Twitter and at UK Gridiron on Instagram. Uh, any last ones you guys wanted to touch on before we wrap up? I think there's rumours that... Brandon Cooks is going to get traded. Uh, the Rams trying to get back into either the first or the second round. I've just seen a Michael Silver report saying that that potentially uh, the Rams are trying to trade Brandon Cooks. So we shall see where that ends up. One of the sort of smaller deals that I'm interested in, it, it, Matt Skura, who I think is a really good centre for the Ravens, got injured uh, last year. He's been put on the lowest restricted free agent tender. Uh, and essentially the Ravens would get nothing if a team came in and took him off them. I think that, you know, I think if you're looking for a, you know, a pivot on your offensive line, you 
can do significantly worse than a Matt Skura uh, moving forwards, especially as he seems to be back to pretty much full health. Hot Matt Skura chat to round yes. off the podcast. Red. We did just get <laughs> the, the little bit of this is the, the problem with podcasting, isn't it? Another little bit of breaking news. The Browns have placed a second round tender on uh, on Kareem Hunt. So. I don't yeah, think anybody off- will be jumping to make that day. <laughs> Keeping I think, I, I wonderful think human beings in the building. Yeah, if he, I think he would have had a market if he was, um, if the tender was was lower, definitely because he's a good player, and I think that you know, it it, it has calmed down a little bit. Yeah, on the, that. The, the, the the initial team who who takes the fire of of that is yeah. always is always the yeah. one who gets the most criticism. Hundred percent. Oh, the Packers are just I, I, Wagner. The um, the former Baltimore tackle who yeah. then played very disappointingly in Detroit. So that looks like Brian Balaga's gone. Well, oh, yeah, especially so? based on the money that they were talking about for Balaga, which is just insane. For another guy who's had injury issues and is is just a good player. I mean, he's not... Some of the some of the, the level of some of the reporting on what Balaga's going to fetch is just insane. Like, totally mind really, blown. Really good player, but can't stay healthy. Right, boys, we've... Uh covered off quite a bit there and we've managed to do it in less than an hour and a half so well done us i'm proud of us uh we will have more coming up over the next couple of months uh with of course well we'll have something later this week reacting to the first free agency deals uh that go through the season will get underway despite some protestations as i said uh on wednesday so i'm sure there'll be lots more stories to discuss and then there's our upcoming draft coverage already simon's top 50 prospects are going out on a a daily basis out on the uh, gridiron twitter account at gridiron and uh, and you guys have got plenty of cracking draft stuff coming up boys yeah, yeah. so is going to be killing it the next few weeks so we're going to kind of transition properly over to the draft next week with a with a regular show on that to, to break it down overall and also i think we're looking at doing some little short five minute daily podcasts um, breaking down 32 plays from 32 days out which could change obviously in terms of when that's going to be but i think we will start those off next week um, 32 days out from the initial date and then if we've got more time to fill we shall do so in style are you ready to break down 60 prospects instead simon that's the question you can break down 300 brilliant stuff uh look thank you very much boys thank you very much for listening uh rate review subscribe all that stuff does help as you know well the weekend by watching um uh tier two left tackle film (laughs) that's how boring my life got i mean that's astonishing i watched uh i watched inception for the first time in a few years that's how i spent my self-isolation i I could have been watching film i watched three games of austin jackson matthew peart and ezra cleveland there you go that was my saturday afternoon (laughs) what a hero you are what a hero you are Uh, not just three games (laughs) well thank you very much for listening simon clancy's off to go and watch more obscure film uh this has been the gridiron show